Blog Talk Radio. Over there, so you can check us out over there 
on the website, thekenreedyshow.com. And for one last time in 2015, it is time to go out there and give them the hot tag. Wouldn't be able to make heads or tails out of the world of professional wrestling without my tag team partner who is on the line. Let's bring him up. Dave, how you doing this evening? For the last time in 2015, you just made the hot tag, and now it's time for me to clean house and clean house on what was good, what was bad, and what was ugly in the world of professional wrestling. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Let's get into it. Yeah, so many things to get into. But, you know, before we get into uh, the year that was and, and everything, I, I got to I gotta say that, um, you know, many of you know, and maybe some of you don't, uh, but uh, after years of, of being a fan and years of sitting here behind the mic and, uh, you know, and doing commentating uh, for Wrestling on Fire and just kind of uh, doing stuff in the wrestling biz outside the ring, finally set foot inside the squared circle this past weekend. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Came out uh, healthy. You know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, son of a gun, like, he, he went running for the hills. He feared my wrath. And uh, Sergeant Cash decided that uh, he had had enough of me, and I was going to let him get off that easily. So double count out in my first match ever. Uh, double count out, uh, but we, we had a brawl outside the ring as well as inside the ring, so I'm thinking it's not the last time our paths are going to cross, but uh, again, came out healthy, uh, it was a good match, um, I gotta say thank you to uh, all the guys at IWF, I know the fans were great, uh, you know, it was really cool, fans were very supportive, uh, there were a couple reedy chants, so it was pretty cool. Uh, being in the ring, hearing people chanting your name. And uh, uh, thank you to all the trainers at IWF that got me prepared to get in the squared circle. Uh, Kevin Knight, Sean Donovan, Mike Kamet, Galindo, uh, Manny, you know, those guys. Uh, you know, it, it's a great place to train, you know, learn the basics. And they really, uh, you know, they start you from the ground up. So thank you guys for, uh, again, giving me the tools that I, I didn't go in there and, number one, make a complete ass of myself, and number two, uh, I didn't kill myself in the process, so uh, it was good stuff. And if I could break kayfabe for a split second, I'm not the biggest fan of this, but I feel like I have to break kayfabe just to say, you know, being a face in 2015 is really difficult. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's funny because everyone gets in the wrestling, everyone gets in the wrestling biz, loves to say, oh, I want to be a heel, I want to be a heel, I want to be a heel. And when push comes to shove, when you've got to go out there and you've got to make sure that people are booing the hell out of you, uh, some people don't have the stomach for it. Uh, some people, you know, kind of want to be a tweener. They kind of like people liking them. Uh, they don't really go after it and, and get that sort of hatred. And uh, it makes it really difficult if you happen to be a face uh, to get the crowd uh, behind you because they kind of like the edge of your character. And the guy I got in the ring with on uh, Saturday night Wow, did the crowd hate him. Uh, he just went right after the heat. Uh, he got it. Uh, the, the chorus of boos for him um, as he was making his way to the ring. So made my life easier as I had to go in there and portray the, the face, the babyface character. So uh, I got to thank my opponent, uh, at least for that. But I'm not thanking him for leaving the ring and, and, and causing the double countout. So I'm back to kayfabing. I want a piece of him. I want a rematch. 
And this time we're going to settle inside the ring. So there you have it, Dave. It was it was crazy, man. You know, it's one of those things where I'm getting ready to head down to the ring, and it's just kind of, uh, you know, you go through all these things. Like, am I going to forget everything I learned? Am I going to, you know, just go out there and pass out? Um, you know, and, and, and one of the things also, it's like you go out there and like I was so amped up, like by the time the match was over, it's like, wow, I think I'm going to pass out here. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like, it was weird because it wasn't like I felt gassed, but it was just kind of, you're, you're so amped up. And the way they booked the show, we were booked as a second to last match. So when you're coming into, into the show and I knew I was wrestling, but I didn't know anything else and, uh, find out my opponent and then. Uh, I'm booked the second to last match. It was like all I'm doing is sitting back there, just you know, like a ball of anxiety, just like agonizing over, uh, you know, this match and when it's going to happen. And ultimately, it's like six minutes out of my life. I mean, the whole thing. I think it was ten with entrances. Um, but still, man, like once I got to the back and it was over, I'm like, all right, let me sit down for a minute. <laughs> I may just pass out. But uh. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. So everyone who supported and was behind me for this, I I thank you. And there's my little selfish uh, dissertation on uh, my weekend. But let's get into, uh, you know, I mean, I had my debut, but last week on Monday Night Raw, an incredible milestone for one Roman Reigns. And, uh, Dave, we've been critical all year, uh, most of the year for Monday Night Raws. And I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, the WWE turned the corner because of one Raw, uh, but I thought Raw was solid to very good last week. Um, I like how they booked Reigns. Um, now the thing is, continue booking him like this. From the pay-per-view to Monday Night Raw, finally Reigns was like this ass kicker that we kind of want to get behind. And as much as we've, we've dragged him over the coals, WWE Creative... Man, to pull off that sort of vibe and that sort of moment for Roman Reigns in Philly was very impressive to me. So they still deserve all the criticism we've given them over the course of the year, but give credit where credit is due. The way they built everything, the way they used Sheamus as a transitional champion, and the way Raw unfolded last week, I thought it was a very good job. Now, the only thing, Dave, you just hope that they can piggyback off of that. Well, yeah, absolutely. You're hoping for the momentum to continue. Here's here's what I took out of last week. I agree. It was a very good Raw. Not only the stuff with Reigns and the McMahon family, too, but the other stuff, the Wyatts against the ECW originals and the hardcore match. I thought that stuff was good. Um, I, I just thought overall it was just a really good show. There was a good flow to it. Um, I didn't feel like the show – I mean, the Owens segment with Ambrose and Ziggler – the first match on the on the show, I thought that was really good. The match was good. The segment with Owens coming out and and laying them both out was good. Um, you just and the crowd in Philadelphia is a great crowd. They're a hot crowd. They're a good wrestling town. They, like like I said last week, they let you know if they don't like what they see, and they pretty much liked everything they saw for the most part. And I think WWE catered to that audience because they didn't want Philadelphia to. Uh, you know, hijack the show like they have in the past, like they did with Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble at the beginning of 2015. Here's what I took out of the Reigns situation. I agree with you, Ken. We talked about it on last week's show that in order for Roman Reigns to keep gaining the same momentum and the same fan reaction that the WWE has wanted, he needs to be this, like, badass ass kicker 
of a guy. Not a whole lot of talking, very limited with the facial reactions. I don't think he needs that too much of a personality. I think what you see in the ring is what you get for him, and that's his personality. I think that works with some guys. Not everybody, but some. In his case, yes. And, but at the same time, for every good guy, there has to be a great bad guy, okay? And I think a lot of the times, with the exception of the Wyatts, whoever Reigns has been put up against, I don't think there's been really truly great bad guys. I think the reason why the audience did not take a liking to the rivalry with him and Sheamus, because I don't think Sheamus is a great bad guy. I think he's solid to good, but he's not great. He's not seen as a believable bad guy. He's seen as someone that's, I don't want to say a loser, but I think to a casual fan, they look at Sheamus and they don't look at him as a big deal. And I think that is a testament to WWE's booking of a lot of guys. When they are, when, when, when a lot of the, the heels in today's WWE landscape go on this up and down roller coaster of mood swings with their characters, I think it confuses the audience. And I think the audience doesn't find credibility in a lot of them. And I think that's what's going on with Sheamus. I think Sheamus came in, and he was a badass, ass-kicking heel that people could relate to and people could buy into. And for whatever reason, that dipped. And when it dipped, people just saw the same old Sheamus again, just like I saw. Okay? Now, going into this match on Monday night, I think what really helped was the involvement of the McMahon family because they are great bad guys. If you go back and you watch TLC, I was there in person. The audience was crapping all over the Reigns-Sheamus match. But the minute that Reigns put his hands on Triple H, they, they popped big. Why? Because Triple H is not – Triple H's character has had consistency over the years in terms of being a badass bad guy. I mean, people look at him and they believe that he's an evil son of a bitch. People don't believe that Sheamus is an evil son of a bitch. And he plays that off really well, Triple H. And same thing with the McMahon family. So I think that the McMahons definitely helped the situation because they are easily hateable. I don't think Sheamus is easily hateable in wrestling terms. I think he's hateable to the audience because the audience sees that he's one of the machine's creations that is being jammed down the throat. But I think it definitely helped. And I think also to the audience, they matured over the past year, at least the Philadelphia crowd. And they saw Reigns, and they were like, you know what? He took a beating from Brock Lesnar. His character has kind of stayed the course, steady progression. You didn't see a whole lot of, you know, uh, his character going out of its comfort zone. And in a way, I think this was their way of saying, like, they wanted Reigns to earn that shot and that opportunity. And he won the belt. It got a big pop. The situation surrounding McMahon, it worked with that crowd. Let's just hope that this continues. And I think that's what really helped the Reigns situation and for the audience to, to, especially in Philadelphia, to take a serious liking to him was the McMahon. I don't think the McMahon family could be on TV every week to do that for Roman Reigns. They, they, they have to start developing bad guys that people really want to hate. I, 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 that's just my personal opinion on it. Otherwise, you're going to rely to the McMahon every single time to get a baby face over. I'm sorry. Like, we've seen that before. It's been recycled and done over. And as far as the the whole situation goes, it was just – it worked out well, and I was happy for Reigns. I've always been a Reigns supporter. Um, And that's that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting point, you know, and, and, you know, it's part of the problem, and and it might be part of the problem as a whole, you know, when you look at the ratings that the the Raw has – 
suffered through this year. I mean, historically low ratings. Uh, you know, you look at the build uh, of a Roman Reigns and where they're going to go, you know, moving forward with him. Um, you just need that good heel work. Um, like I said earlier, it is it is difficult in today's day and age to be a face. Uh, you need that that heinous heel, you know. Like, you know, I mean, you bring up a good point, Dave. It's like you need that guy that's that's hated in in wrestling terms, not hated because they the, the crowd just doesn't like him. It doesn't like him as a performer, you know. And um, you know, you, you don't have a, a lot of great heels, which makes it very difficult. Uh, to be a great babyface. And, uh, you know, I think Seth Rollins was doing a nice job at being, a, you know, a throwback kind of a, a really good heel. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. And, and I don't know if you ever think this day, but, you know, there are times in wrestling where, you know, when someone comes back who's who's very talented, uh, you realize that, like, your, your frame of reference um, gets skewed at times. I remember when... Uh, the Rock came back initially, and uh, you know he was doing some backstage vignettes, and uh, it was like one of those things where like everybody I thought like, and there wasn't a lot, but guys on the roster at the time, I'm like, oh yeah, he's a pretty good talker, he's a pretty good talker, you know. And then The Rock was on, is like, wow, no, all you guys suck. Like you were so far below The Rock, and I didn't even, you know, it, it didn't dawn on you until you saw them at the same time, and that's kind of how I felt about Mr. McMahon. You know, you, you kind of think, oh, this guy's a decent heel, or this guy's... Work. And then you see him, Mr. McMahon come on the, the scene and, and do his Mr. McMahon thing, and it's like, wow, yeah, there's there's that heel psychology. that There's what's missing uh, from Monday Night Raw. And, uh, you know, you can't. You're right. You can't have him on every week. You can't have this, you know, Mr. McMahon, uh, you know, boss man thing, like it's been done to death, do it again. But you have to start to groom um, better heels. And, you know, going forward, three-hour Raw is trying to up, uh, you know, your ratings and kind of move the company in the right direction. You know, I think that you got to start looking at, at building more legit, real heels that you can sink your teeth into. Guys that you can really dislike their characters and, and get into, like, stories over the course of a three-hour program. And, uh, you know, it, and that goes to when, when, you know, I said earlier that I look at, like, last last week's Raw, and I like everything they did, um, but it's like, is this a one-time deal? You know, are they going to, to move forward? Are they going to change things up? Uh, you know, I hope they do, but I, I just, I don't know about you, Dave. I just get fearful that we just got lucky last week, and it was a kick-ass Raw, and, uh, we're going to go back to mediocrity tonight, it, it, you know, if not, you know, going forward, you know what I mean? Trust me, I, I, I'm, I have that same thought process, too. But, uh, I mean, tonight will tell. Tonight will tell by Reigns' reaction and how they portray his character. If you're staying the course and he gets the same reaction that he got last week, then that means it's working, it's working okay, and the people are buying into him. Um, and this should be a lesson to WWE creatives that they shouldn't be so quick to take a guy that may not be 100% on fire with the audience and thrust him into a position where it's blatantly obvious that he's going to be the guy because that hasn't done them any favors, uh, as we saw earlier this year when they did that with Reigns and they took his character out of that comfort zone and the people didn't buy it. It was... 
it, it was disastrous. And they had to alter some plans for WrestleMania. I'm sure they don't want to do that. Um, I mean, as far as Reigns' character goes, I've heard different stories. I've heard, um, as far as his WrestleMania involvement, uh, a lot of people are leaning towards him and Triple H. I still don't necessarily buy him and Triple H at WrestleMania just yet, um, especially if Reigns is going to hold on to the title. I really don't. Um, I know the rumors out there that The Rock was scheduled to face Triple H, but now he's not even scheduled to be a part of WrestleMania at all because of movie commitment during that time. Um, but I'm not buying that just yet. That could be WWE floating those rumors out there so that when The Rock does return, it's an even bigger surprise. Um, but it sounds to me like WWE creative is at least planning on the fact that Rock is not coming back for WrestleMania, so they are kind of moving forward with Reigns versus Triple H. And if that's the case, like I said, I'm not 100% sold on it being a WrestleMania match, but it still works and believable because Triple H knows how to be a really good bad guy. And if he can be a really good bad guy, then the audience are going to get behind Reigns as being the good guy facing Triple H. So it can work. It's got potential. I'm still like, I'm still torn in the fact of because of all the injuries that the roster has suffered over the past 2015, because that's been pretty much the, 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 the trending thing in WWE is that you were injured. It, it, there were a lot of injuries to a lot of top guys. And if this WrestleMania, they're going to try and sell out that stadium in, in, in Dallas and, get, and try to get 100,000 people, they're going to have to pull some, in my opinion, at this stage right now, looking at the current roster, they're going to have to pull some serious rabbits out of their hat, or they must have some serious plans that are super tight-lipped that none of us know about, the dirt sheets don't know about, if they want to pack that stadium and break a record. Yeah, and I think the one thing you also got to look for, if they're going to lead us up to and they're going to build this towards uh, WrestleMania and Triple H, and I get why Triple H would be in the crosshairs of Roman Reigns, but, uh, you know, Roman Reigns would be in the midst of a three-month title reign uh, if he faced Triple H at WrestleMania. So who's the guy in the interim? Uh, what do they do beforehand? I mean, are they going to just run a program with Sheamus, uh, you know, getting rematches and trying to regain the title, uh, which I see the crowd, like, crapping on in a hurry. Um, so what do they do for the rest of the year? I, I, I like, it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, I think Triple H uh, reigns works. Um, unless they sell, like, some sort of injury angle or, or something with Triple H. Uh, you know, it seems like that's a match that should happen sooner than later. Um, but it remains to be seen exactly what they're going to do. But, you know, some some signs of optimism, some reasons to be optimistic coming out of last week's Raw. Um, but I think, uh, at best, from what we've gone through, uh, it's it's cautious optimism uh, at best. 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. I've had someone who's been on hold for a little bit, so let's uh, go out to the phone. It's uh, 201. Uh, Caller, are you there? Greedy! I just wanted to know you got off the light. Next time, I won't be so nice. Get ready for some pain. Jeez, uh, well, you know what? Well, thanks for the call. Uh Damn, you know, it's like I've I've had one match and all of a sudden, you know, my my I'm I'm in the crosshairs. I I'm assuming that was Sergeant Cash, although uh 
his 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 level of of literacy I couldn't quite understand him through that garbled speech but you know where I am so when you want to find me by all means brother uh we'll meet again inside that squared circle Jesus Christ can I just get through the show without being interrupted by such miscreants and neanderthals let's get back to our conversation as we we're talking about Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw being decent last week. It's been a rough year for Monday Night Raw throughout. And let's get into what the year was. This year, 2015, lots of stuff that happened. And we decided as as a conversation piece that we would do, rather than doing like a whole awards thing, you know, the Slammies do it, and, and a lot of other podcasts do it. And, you know, go check out 1640 PWPR because there's going to be a collective. You know, all the shows on 1640 PWPR uh, getting together, so there'll be more of a definitive 1640 awards list. Uh, for us, we just kind of wanted to do a little bit of a a talk, a conversation. So one of the things we thought of is is we were going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was 2015. Um, so I'll start off because I just want you guys to know, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, when it comes to the show, Dave and I prepared our list independently. Uh, I have no idea what's on Dave's list. He has no idea what's on mine. So we're going to kind of put it out there and it's going to be a very spontaneous conversation. And if you want to get on the Facebook again, we got the show chat. If you want to put in your good, bad and ugly for 2015, by all means, uh, get that. I should have edited my list. I should put Sergeant Cash on the ugly list. Man, that guy's ugly. Anyway, uh, let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and I'll start because, uh, you know, and they keep doing it. And, and we're going to get into the bad a little bit later. But uh, my first thing on my good list is, is WrestleMania. I thought WrestleMania was incredible this year. Uh, it, for me personally, being a 49er fan and the 49er sucking this year uh that was like the pinnacle of even my, my wrestling life and my football life uh being in that stadium um nwo reuniting uh for those of you who are buying into revisionist history yes hulk hogan was there uh he was there with the nwo <laughs> uh big pop uh for myself as well as uh you know everyone else there uh you know it was cool to to see the the original nwo coming down the nwo battling dx uh, the main event delivered. We had something that never happened before with the cash-in. Uh, crazy spot for Randy Orton. Uh, it was just it was a cool vibe. Um, and again, for me personally, being in the 49ers stadium, uh, that that's a big time. I know we, we did because it's, it's cool, and it's, it's a cool little title, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we come up with a great, uh, you know, again, we can talk build. We can talk heading into WrestleMania. Uh, but being there... Uh, the event itself, it was one of the first things uh, for us with 1640. Dave, you were working with King Firehawk. I called in. Um, it, it was just it was a great show. It was a great day. I, I think everyone who watched it on TV loved it as well. So that goes for me as, as the first good on my good, the bad, and the ugly list. You know, I, I would it, it made my good list. That's the first thing that made my good list. So right then and there, that's uh, – Independently, we we prepared our list, but um, 
collectively, we've, we've agreed. Yes, WrestleMania 31, top to bottom, was a fantastic show. I'll go as far as to say it was pay-per-view of the year, okay? From the beginning, from the first match to the last match, like there wasn't a bad match on the card. The matches were good. The crowd was hot. The atmosphere in the open-air stadium being outdoors during the day, I thought it was cool that it, it had that daytime feel to it. It made me feel like I was watching a Super Bowl. You know, sometimes when the Super Bowl airs on the West Coast, the game starts and the sun's out. But when you get down to the last quarter, the, you know, the, the, the lights are on bright and it's dark, you know, out, out at night and the sun sets. And then that's when the real, you know, the, 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 the final minutes of, the, of the, the, the big game are coming to a head. And that's what, that's what WrestleMania 31 felt like. It really did. I mean, those, that last match, we talked about it, you know, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, the story going into it. Lesnar re-signing with WWE. It was made public on ESPN. The hatred that the audience had for Roman Reigns. The, the unexpected money in the bank cash-in, although a lot of people did, did predict it would happen, but in the manner that it did, it got – the whole show, like I said, tops the bottom, the theatrics, the entrances, the NWO thing. I wasn't there. I wish I was there. I mean, but at the same time, watching it at home, I felt like I was there because it was such a cool show. It made me, I don't know, it, I'll go as far as to say, top five WrestleMania of all time, in my opinion. Top five. Not a bad match. And, you know, coming out of that WrestleMania, there was some good that came out of that WrestleMania. And it, and it definitely set the benchmark. It definitely set the bar high for, um, you know, this upcoming WrestleMania and what to expect. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. That was just that was just a bad-ass, kick-ass show. I got the DVD. I think I've watched it like a dozen times over the course of the year because it was just such a great show overall. I mean, you know, you want to give out a, another award? We're going to do the mark-out moment of the year. I'd go out right and say, say right, I'm tongue-tied here, NWO reunion. I mean, that was awesome, awesome. And, yes, Hulkamania was there that night. Can't agree more. WrestleMania 31, that makes the top of my good list. Yeah, so there we go. Look at that independently, and we we agree on on the first one. Why don't you give us give us one of your other good lists? Good, one of your other items that we're both getting tongue tied here. We're so excited after WrestleMania. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you brought it up, man. I mean, you should saw. I mean, talk about marking out. I mean, you know, thing a thing that got living room pops probably all over the country. But you know, I mean, people were like jumping out of their seats when the NWO came down. It was just. It was such a cool moment, like and just everything at WrestleMania, top to bottom. And you're right. I mean, I have to really look at it, but it probably is right up there in uh, you know top five WrestleManias. But give us something else on your good list. My good list. I'm going to go with the NXT brand and the effect that it had on the wrestling landscape. You know, NXT first started out as somewhat of a contest on WWE television. Then it got rebranded and was looked at as the WWE's, like, developmental territory. But now, essentially, it's a separate brand from what you see on the main roster. It's a hybrid. It's WWE's version of the indie scene. And the effect that NXT, for me, in 2015 had, it was, it was something that, like, made me, made me have high hope for just about a lot of talent. Because WWE, you know, more recently in recent times, and I should say maybe throughout the years, they always looked at talent as big, muscular, uh, you know, box office attraction type wrestlers. They, I mean, they looked for good wrestlers, but they also went for a look and for a size. NXT doesn't necessarily have that. You have a little bit of mix of everything. It's a variety show. You get guys that 
have that Vince McMahon bodybuilder-like look, but you also have guys that, that have torn up on the indie scene that are doing the exact same thing they were doing on the indie scene, but just under a different name. Um, and it gives a lot of the established guys on the indie scene a, a, an opportunity one step closer for being on TV and being close to WWE's main roster. Um, but it's also it, it's really separating itself from the main roster brand and the storylines, which I think is really cool. And just the effect that even NXT has had on the main roster. Kevin Owens came up from the main roster, a hot heel in NXT. He'd only been in the in the company for maybe six, eight months, and then he gets thrust into um, a, a main roster storyline with John Cena, and within a matter of a few months over this past summer, he's almost looked at as an equal to John Cena by how he was booked in storyline um, coming out of NXT. I mean, Sami Zayn made his debut or made a, an appearance on Raw in one of the John Cena U.S. Open challenges. Here's a fun fact. We just talked about WrestleMania. There were nine matches on the WrestleMania card. Eight out of those nine matches all had at least one, if not more, NXT talent in the match. The only match that didn't was the Triple H Sting match in the, earlier in the night. But every match on the WrestleMania card had a talent that was highlighted and spotlighted in NXT. And that's how big the brand has gotten. I mean, to the to the network specials they have, to going over to London to the Brooklyn special the night before SummerSlam, selling out the Barclays Center 16,000 with – Mike Riker said it on the, uh, the, the, the show chat earlier. Sasha Banks and Bailey, match of the year in his opinion. It was probably the best women's wrestling match I've ever seen. And it was produced through NXT. And, I mean, to me, I hope it doesn't get so big to the point where then we start hating it. Then it becomes too independent. You know what I mean? I like where they're at right now. I like how they've, they've got talent that, have a chance on the main roster, but if they don't make it on the main roster, they'll be a big star and very successful in the NXT brand. It's almost like WWE is recreating ECW on that like underground level, but without all the stuff that defined ECW. Overall, it was just a good year for NXT, and it seems to be only getting better. They're going to do a takeover special the night before, two nights before WrestleMania in Dallas. They've sold out a bunch of live events. They're really starting to um, build up that brand to become a full touring brand, hopefully by the beginning of 2017, but we're going to see more touring, uh, live events, maybe even some more live specials from the NXT brand. But overall, I think it's good for the business to have NXT because it gives, like I said, guys on the indie scene who may not have necessarily been looked at as WWE material, now they have an opportunity to shot through the NXT brand. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. We do these lists, and I, I kind of had I, it wasn't NXT. I actually had on on uh, my good list NXT slash the Independents. I kind of cheated and put them uh, as as part of the same category. Um, and, and for all the reasons you put out there, and uh, you know, plus the independent scene. I mean, the Independents are just uh, growing. The scene is, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's something special if you if you hit the right Independents. Uh, again, we're going to talk to. Anthony, a little bit later on, who's a big uh, fan uh, of the independent scene. Um, you know, it, it's just, uh, Dave, I mean, I, you're one of the first people I remember saying this, and uh, you should get credit because now uh, it seems like everyone is saying it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the independents are are today's territories. Um I, I don't think uh, that that's any sort of exaggeration. I mean, the, the territory system... Uh, 
that doesn't exist, but the uh, the independents kind of have that, and, and you're seeing the independents finding uh, unique ways to either get their product on TV or at least showing them online, uh, trying to get uh, storylines and programs established for the viewing public, and uh, you know, as much as there's not a company out there that can rival the WWE, um, there's alternatives out there for, for wrestling fans. Uh, there's a lot of different things out there. And, uh, you know, if you just like that style, uh, that the quote-unquote independent style, uh, you know, NXT, the WWE kind of created their own independent brand. Um, but the only reason the WWE was able to create a brand like that was because of the success that the independents were having and the, the need for fans to want to see uh, these guys on a bigger stage. So uh, sharing the spotlight for uh, my second spot on my good list, uh, the independents and uh, NXT. So uh, lots of good stuff. And again, it's one of those things where like the WWE is so uh, you know high profile that you could be like, you know, oh, wrestling sucks nowadays, but there are so many alternatives. You just you kind of get bogged down because uh, the WWE is the they're the big boys, and, and you kind of you watch that. It's Monday Night Raw, it's, it's SmackDown. You know you got to watch that. Uh, but if you really want to see, uh, if you're not into that, uh, there's lots of great wrestling uh, out there on the independent scene, as well as watching NXT and what NXT is bringing to the table. The third thing I you know had, what's we, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. You know what's in, you know what's interesting on my good list was, and I'm not going to say that this was a giant coincidence, but it's very similar to what you just mentioned about the about the independent scene. Um, on my good list for 2015 was the multiple alternatives to WWE that are out there on television. Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling is even on American television in some, in, in some markets. I don't have New Japan... I've not seen Lucha Underground. I've seen bits and pieces online. I haven't really sat down and had time to watch a full episode, but um, and I was exposed to Ring of Honor. And t- I mean, just the amount of wrestling that, at least for me, and maybe this is a selfish pick for me, but as a wrestling fan, the amount of wrestling that I had on my DVR between what WWE is putting out on the on weekly basis to Ring of Honor getting a slot on Destination America at one point. Um, to Lucha Underground and I them Lucha, but I mean, you get the picture. There was a lot of wrestling out there, different alternatives. Now I'm not saying that every single organization is on fire and we're looking at a full blown remake of the Monday Night Wars where guys can jump ship and go back and forth, but guys can if you're not making it in WWE, talent can go and bounce around from place to place and make a name for themselves and make a pretty decent living out there in the in the wrestling world. You know, you apply your craft. Like, the Young Bucks are a perfect example. The Young Bucks, okay? The Young Bucks traveled all over the globe, Japan, all of the United States, and applied their craft as well as Ring of Honor. And now they gotten so big that they don't even wrestle. They just do Ring of Honor, and they work for Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, who now has a working relationship with Ring of Honor. And I'm sure that was based off of the success of the Young Bucks. Um just the different alternatives out there as a fan. Like, you've you, you got so much at your fingertips. And then even with Global Force Wrestling, yeah, Global Force may have made, in my opinion, uh, a bold statement in 2014 talking about 
how they're going to change the wrestling business and how they're going to make their debut. Well, they really haven't made much of a debut. They've taped some television, but we don't have any in the United States. But there's another avenue for guys to go work. If there's somebody you, you know of on the, on the independent scene in your area that has a shot at, in global force, I mean, they're, they're close to a television deal. I will say that. They're in the hunt. But there's another avenue to go work that, that's looked at as a legitimate alternative to WWE. And all of these, we talked about it at the end of last year, at the end of 2014, and how a lot of these other companies had to branch out and be their own and do something completely different and be a different alternative to WWE. Ring of Honor's doing it. New Japan's doing it with their relationship with each other, both those organizations, as well as Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground is sticking to the basics in pro wrestling, but at the same time, they're also presenting their way, which is kind of reinventing the wrestling game, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, Tony could, or AC from the cool down, when he comes on, he can talk about it because he watched a lot of Lucha Underground, but it's becoming a viable contender for being an alternative to WWE. And I think that's been a good thing in, in pro wrestling. It gives guys more places to work. More places to work for the guys, more money to be made. Totally agree with you. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, my, the last thing I have on my list as far as the good that really came out of 2015 and, uh, it's interesting because on some levels, uh, in a selfish way, this isn't good, uh, but I enjoy it. But uh, it's the uh, the flourishing of the wrestling podcast uh, market and the podcasts that are out there. Um, you know, I, it hurts us on some levels because, uh, you know, I get it. If you're a wrestling fan and it's a choice like, hey, we can listen to Ken and Dave or we can listen to Jim Ross or Chris Jericho, or Stone Cold Steve Austin, I get who you're going to choose. Um, you know, so as far as the, the, the podcast landscape, uh, yeah, it's more difficult for us uh, little guys trying to find our niche. We continue to try to find our niche with the uh, advent of 1640 as we look for bigger and better things going into 2016. But I do put podcasting uh, on my good list for 2015 because – there have been some great podcasts, uh, you know, that just uh, that I've really, really enjoyed listening to. And as a wrestling fan, uh, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, sometimes Monday Night Raw is a little bit to be desired. And Dave, you talk about, you know, there are alternatives for wrestling fans, uh, other things to watch. And it's not just watching, it's listening. And as an old school, number one, as an old school fan, and number two, as someone who is learning how to be a pro wrestler uh, who's getting into the ring uh, for the first time. Uh, just just hearing, you know, when you get to sit back, you know, and I go to the gym and put my headphones in and listen to Jim Ross and Jim Cornette uh, talk about psychology and pro wrestling. Uh, you know, listen to Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, and Chavo Guerrero reminisce about Eddie Guerrero. Uh, you know, just the, the, the greats that you just get to sit back and, and listen to and listen to dissect uh, the, the product, the current product, talk about stories of yesteryear. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's great. It's, uh, it's just a phenomenal thing uh, as a fan to be able to listen to, and it's something for me I have really thoroughly enjoyed uh, just getting that piece of, wrestling history uh, through podcasting that uh, 
to me, I, you know, there's a lot of documentaries, um, but like we've said, uh, WWE uh, just they, they they do at times uh, engage in revisionist history, um, and th- there's nothing to me as far as the history of the business than just having two legends talking, whether it's on camera or on a podcast. There's two legends, and when you get a couple hours, I can put those put those headphones in and just uh, listen to that. I I'm just uh, I'm thoroughly enthralled and engaged uh, listening to them. So as far as the third on my good list, uh, the explosion of the podcasting scene in the wrestling world. Dave, back to you. Well, I gave you my third with the different avenues of pro wrestling alternatives to WWE. I talked about the presence that the NXT brand had not only on its on on WWE, you know, the WWE network as well as the, the wrestling scene, but on the WWE main roster as well and what that did for main roster storylines. And then we talked about WrestleMania 31. So either do you want the bad or do you want the ugly? Give us, give us your bad. Give us your first on your bad list. First on the bad list, the untimely passings of wrestling legends in 2015. Um, Nick Bockwinkle, very underrated legend. Although he was sick, he, he wasn't doing too well. His health was failing him um, within the last couple of years. Um, someone of his his passing was unfortunate, but considering the circumstances, his passing was expected. We did not see it coming when Dusty Rhodes and Roddy Piper within a month of each other passed away and that was a real punch in the gut for fans um you know over the summer those 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 passings really hurt wrestling fans um i mean you know the way the the way dusty had passed and i mean i don't know there's there's nothing that could you know good that comes out of it um but it was just very unexpected same thing with piper too um you know two guys that made their mark in the business um, were inspirations to thousands of, of pro wrestlers out there, past and present, maybe even some of the future stars of the business. They were influenced by Dusty and uh, Hot Rod. It was just, it was just very sad, um, and it and it came so close together too. Like once you recovered from Dusty's passing, boom, you heard about Piper, and it was like, oh my God, like that's terrible. You know, it was, it was just tough. And, and two names, two guys like that. And I said it. I said it on the one of our shows when we when we memorialized uh, Piper. But I also said it on I think uh, a special that I did with uh, King Firehawk and some of the other sixteen forty hosts. Um, those two guys, their personalities were so colorful, like Piper and Dusty Rhodes, that you thought no matter what age, what how old they were in terms of the number, their age, that they were going to live forever, that they were, like, timeless. You know what I mean? Because their personalities are so vibrant and colorful that, like, even at their age like and, and at their stage in their careers, they still captivated you through the television screen. And just, this, just knowing how they passed and how unfortunate, untimely it was for two guys like that, it, it was just really sad for me. That was the bad. That was one of my bad. Um, my, my, and my I got to tell you, man, like that was for me, um, yeah, that was in my ugly list. Um, like you said, uh, punch the gut. I mean, it was, uh, 
horrible enough that it was it was worse than bad. Um, that's why it made it made it into my my ugly. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it was tough, man. It's uh, you know growing up with that era, it just uh, you know it's a good point that you bring up with the uh, the vibrance of their personalities and uh, you know I I mean for me I've always looked at uh, the best talkers. Uh, of all time, and I, you know, I, I said it a thousand times on the show, but the blessed trinity of talkers to me was always Dusty, Piper, and Flair, uh, with respect to The Rock. Um, but the, the three, I always like referred to them as the the blessed trinity of the uh, talkers. And uh, to lose two out of three in the, in the time span of a month was just uh, devastating. Having been fortunate enough to, to meet Piper uh, and just seeing what a a great guy he was, um, you know, my experience with him, uh, yeah, just a tremendous punch in the gut. So, um, that we both agree that that was, uh, probably the, the, you know, one of the worst, if not the worst parts of, of this year, as far as the wrestling world. So it made, uh, it made my ugly list as far as, uh, stuff that happened in 2015. And, uh, you know, again, rest in peace, uh, condolences to all the families involved, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a tough year. A tough year as far as uh, looking at legends. Um, one of mine now that I, on my bad list, I actually have, uh, you know, I put Raw on my bad list. I put Raw slash builds to pay-per-views. Um, and you had heard it time and time again on our show. I mean, Dave, how many times? I mean, if you wanted, you know, we joke about, like, some of the stuff you wind up repeating. But, like, hey, you want to play the, the Ken Reedy show drinking game? Drink every time we said, uh, on paper, pay-per-view looks good, but the build was not good at all. And even talking about WrestleMania, uh, you know, we didn't think the build was that good. And it wound up being a great event. Uh, the Raws have been lackluster at best, uh, notwithstanding last week's Raw. Um, but it's it's been, it's you know, it's one of those things, Dave, where it's like you're a fan. And, like, you know, right now for me, I got a group of people that come over on pay-per-views, so it's it's become like a monthly event. We all hang out, so uh, the build is not necessarily important for me. I'm going to watch the pay-per-view regardless, um, but, you know, time and time again, it's just been that I'm just not excited for this pay-per-view, and going into our Sunday pre-shows, it's... Uh, all right, like it looks good on paper, but it, there's not a lot to talk about as far as the build and the program. So um, because there's monthly pay-per-views and because Raw and WWE programming uh, should be in place basically to build to these pay-per-views, uh, that's why uh, number one on my bad list is Raw Monday Night Raw and their builds to pay-per-views. Did we agree on that too? No, we didn't actually. Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to deviate from the norm since we do like to agree on a lot of things in the show. And one of the other subjects that came up in my bad list was the Hulk Hogan scandal. Um, you and I are big Hulkamaniacs, probably the two biggest Hulkamaniacs this side of the Northeast. And, uh, I mean, I admit the man made a mistake, Okay. He was in a place in his life where he was not making the right decisions. His life, his personal life was falling apart, and he had made some poor life choices and life decisions. Everybody in this world has done them, myself included, okay? 
and I just felt that yes, he made he he made a mistake. He eventually owned up to it, and I just thought that the way that at least WWE tried to erase his, the, the the history with him and his Hall of Fame status, I just thought that was going overboard a little bit. Um, and to be honest with you, the um, the reaction from the wrestling community, I was surprised. It was very positive. A lot of people had some really good things to say about Hulk and about his character, and that was not the Hulk Hogan that they knew. Um, you heard a story or two here and there about guys that didn't that that personally didn't like Hogan, and they were personally happy that he had gotten into this kind of trouble. Bret Hart being one of them. Bret Hart made some really nasty, disparaging remarks about him. Um, following the, uh, the 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 scandal and going as far as to saying that Hogan probably was happy that Piper had died because it took the heat off of the Hogan scandal. Um, I just thought that was disgusting that like people in this day and age would even go as far as to say something like that. And I'm not saying that as a Hulk Hogan fan. I'm just saying that as a human being. Um, I just thought it was bad, and I do admit what he did was wrong. Uh, but, you know, he was in, and not to make excuses for him because there's no excuse for what he had to say in those tapes, um, but it was, his actions were based on some poor life decisions he was making in his personal life, and, uh, you know, he's a human being, he made a mistake, and I'm just glad that it it hasn't killed him and his career completely, and hopefully we'll see him back in WWE at some point someday. I think, uh, you know, the resurrect people, you know, we talked about it on the show. Um, in, in society, we love to build people up, tear them down, and build them up again. And I think that's what society has done to Hulk Hogan. And uh, they will continue to do to just about anybody that's in public spotlight. So hopefully uh, 2016, we see the beginning stages of the rebirth of Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, the human being. And uh, that that that's that was the second uh, subject that made it on my bad list. It's funny because I, I guess it's like degrees of like how bad we thought something was, but uh, I kind of took a different approach. But Hogan is is in this, uh, but he that that whole situation made my ugly list. And and when I jotted down my ugly list, basically I put uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. And the Jimmy Snuka and Hulk Hogan situations. Um, you know, so everything you said with Hulk Hogan, spot on. Uh, everything going on with Jimmy Snuka, uh, the reopening of this murder trial, um, you know, the, his his waning health. Uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, again, like, we don't know what happened with Jimmy Snuka. We hope he's innocent. Um, you know, reopening... Uh, a, a trial to bring a man uh, to to break him across the coals when he's at death's door. Um, you know, I don't. I, I mean, you know, it's tough for me to uh, get behind that. Uh, if he's guilty, I, so be it. Uh, you know, but it's. Uh, I don't know. It just sounds like a politician trying to make uh, a name for himself. You hit the nail on the head. Everything with Hulk Hogan, uh, poor life decisions. Um, I get all of this. Uh, the Hall of Fame is not for saints. Uh, it's for people who made their mark in the business of pro wrestling. And I think the WWE is, is really 
you know, started down a slippery slope if they're going to decide that when these controversies pop up that they're going to pull people out of the Hall of Fame. And and this is why I made my ugly list, because I, I think this is the ugliness involved in, in doing this and, and uh, you know, pulling people's uh, names out and, and, you know, just, you know, on some levels almost smearing their names and smearing their careers and what they did to the for the wrestling business. Um, you know, where does it end? It's a slippery slope. This is a bad can of worms to open. Uh, the WWE needs to nip this now and stop on, on a whim to, to decide we're going to take guys out of the Hall of Fame. Because then you start that, that game of, well, if this person's taken out, then why isn't this person? And you got people now petitioning for Donald Trump to be pulled out of the Hall of Fame. And you got stuff with, uh, you know, what's to say? I mean, I mean, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin. We know he has had spousal abuse issues. I mean, when does it, domestic violence issues, when does it stop? Like, where do we, we draw the line? You know, and what happens if Stone Cold has something else? Is he going to get pulled out of the Hall of Fame? Are we just, is, is the WWE just going to sit back and every time these wrestlers, these old school wrestlers, wind up getting themselves into some sort of trouble, we're going to just pull them out of the Hall of Fame? It's absurd. It's ridiculous. Uh, it, it, to me, it was a black eye. On, on pro wrestling, the, the controversies and scandals surrounding Hogan and Snooker were bad enough. Uh, to couple it with the WWE just saying, oh, we'll just pull you out of the Hall of Fame uh, is just absolutely ludicrous. And for me, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of wrestling fans that feel the same way. You know, when I go to WrestleMania weekend, I love WrestleMania. Don't get me wrong. My favorite night of the weekend is the Hall of Fame. I love going to the Hall of Fame. I love that night where you get to just reminisce about the history of, of the wrestling industry. And to, whatever you want to say about the Hall of Fame in and of itself, I get it. There, there are certain guys that should be in that aren't. I understand all that, whether you feel about the celebrity wing or not. I get that, too. But it's a Hall of Fame. People are in. Once they're in, it, you know, whatever. Take take their merchandise off your website. Take likenesses uh, away from it. But... Hall of Fame is a Hall of Fame. It should not be touched. And so I hit the Hogan scandal, but I wrapped it up into the Hall of Fame situation. So that makes uh, my ugly list. And my ugly list is almost done. But let me go back to my bad list, because uh, one of the other things that made my bad list was the Diva Revolution. Um, as much as it's a shame, because I feel like we've gotten a lot of good out of the females uh, this year. Um, you know, there's been a lot better uh, matches coming out of the females, but just the way Stephanie came out and said, we're going to have a diva revolution, uh, the storytelling, the psychology, the characters have become incredibly muddied. We've gotten anything but a revolution. We've gotten some better matches, but, you know, I still, as much as we have some more talent um, I still, at the end of 2015, after being told there's going to be a revolution, I'm still kind of scratching my head wondering exactly where the Divas division is going. And that's why this Diva revolution made my bad list. And I lost count a little bit, Dave. You've gotten, you got one more left on your bad list? I do. I have one more on my bad list. And Give it to us. For me, it's overpassionate wrestling fans. It started at the Royal Rumble, okay, with the whole Roman Reigns controversy and the Philadelphia crowd, and it just spiraled. And you get that really 
uh, you know, that really uh, overzealous uh, WrestleMania crowd that comes in, you know, each year. Um, WrestleMania crowds are very unique because you have people from all over the world coming to see WrestleMania um, over over in Europe and, uh, you know, all all different kinds of countries. And, and those fans, they, they express their love or their hate in different ways. And it makes for a very unique atmosphere when you go to WrestleMania. It really and truly does. But at the same time, it, it I understand some fans' passion. I truly do. They want to see their guy in a position or in a certain position, or they want to see their guy at the top. I get all that. And I thought that that was what made the, the build for Daniel Bryan two years ago at WrestleMania so cool was that his fan base, his audience was just like 100% behind him to get him to the top. And that's, it organically made him into a star. It's something that WWE didn't do. It was something that the audience did. And I feel like the audience can be their own worst enemy at times. Because look, case in point, the Roman Reigns situation, okay? The Philadelphia crowd that night at the Royal Rumble back in, you know, almost a year ago, they were 100% against him winning the Royal Rumble. And they had their reasons. Some good, some not good, okay? But talk about the egg on their face. That same audience, that same crowd, last Monday on Raw is 100% cheering Roman Reigns. They didn't give a damn. They didn't think he was worth they didn't think he was worth anything in January. And now all of a sudden, good enough for them to cheer in February, in December at the end of the year. Um, I just think that wrestling fans overall, they get way too passionate about their guys being in certain spots. Do I want certain guys in certain spots? Absolutely. But I go on some of these like wrestling chat sites, you know, these wrestling chat groups on Facebook and Somebody will post a picture to start a discussion, and some of these discussions turn out into all-out wars. Like I'm, like I'm wondering, like when the local authorities or or the Facebook police are going to step in. You know what I mean? Like fans just get so like too wrapped up into it. Like it's almost like the internet and the dirt sheets were like the worst thing for wrestling po- for wrestling fans possible. Yes, it's cool that you may have the inside scoop, but if you have too much of the inside scoop, then it kind of it kind of it, it changes your perspective of the product you were a fan to begin with right be a fan don't be a don't be you know a, a keyboard warrior um that no, thinks they know everything based off of what they read on the internet do i read, read a lot of stuff from the internet yes i do for research for this show um for discussion points do i believe all of it no i think i think uh, i think a good 50 percent of it it goes in one ear and out the other, and I take with a grain of salt. And, the, and I think there's 50% truth to some of the stuff that's out there on the internet regarding backstage stories in WWE or just in wrestling in general. Okay, but I just think overpassionate wrestling fans need to take a step back a little bit and just be like, you know what? Let's enjoy the show instead of trying to hijack the show in hopes we get what we want out of it. Because that makes that makes uh, you know. Uh, Wrestling promoters, writers, bookers, whatever you want to call them, it puts them in a tough position to, well, we got to go to this town and we got to book the show this way. Otherwise, you know, the Joe Blow in the front row and and and, and all twelve of his kids are going to boo the crap out of it, and that's not the reaction we're going to want to get. You know, it just it, I I just think like sometimes fans got to take a step back and just be fans, just enjoy what it is, and if you don't like it, turn it off. 
It's funny. I want to change. That's a good one. I didn't even think of that. That, but uh, yeah, I'm a hundred percent right there with you, man. It's and and the thing is, like, you know, you have certain fans, and it becomes this like mob mentality of you know they they want to pat themselves on the back for taking over a show, and I I I, I didn't buy tickets to to take like I I as a fan I buy tickets to a wrestling event so I can go watch a wrestling event. That's why I bought tickets. And uh, th- this idea, like, we're going to go out and take over the show, uh, 100% agree with you. I-, I wish I had thought of it. I'm not going to say, oh, now it's on my list. But uh, the third of my bad list was the Survivor Series. I just popped that in. Uh, it's something that we talked a lot about on the show um, for one of the big four, uh, the WWE original pay-per-views. Uh, it's it's really fallen. It is really fallen. Um, it was not very good this year. Uh, we're not getting uh, these traditional Survivor Series matches. And, uh, you know, to me, like, you know, we talked about this year and how the builds towards pay-per-views weren't very good. But the pay-per-views, for the most part, were decent. Uh, but it's tough, man, when, when the fall, you know, the, the Raws weren't very good. And then you get a bad pay-per-view and Survivor Series. It just really made everything drag over the fall um, and, and like I've said before, man, you know, if you're going to take some time off creatively, just have every Raw be about picking captains and picking teams and go back to that old school Survivor Series feel. We have more, quote, traditional Survivor Series matches. So, uh, um, you know, being uh, an old school fan and, and having kind of a soft spot in my heart for a, a, a pay-per-view like Survivor Series, uh, just it's very disappointing for me to see where an event like that has fallen. So that was the third on my bad list. I got one more on my ugly list. We need to hear Dave's ugly list. We want to hear from you guys, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. But right now, better late than never. We got to get to it around this time, each and every show. The last one of 2015, and it's time now for the Dave 55050 News Report. Good evening. And for the final time in 2015, this is the Dave 55050 News Report. Only heard right here on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. You can listen to us on the groundbreaking evolution known as 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes right now by searching 1640 PWPR. And you will experience the overwhelming diversity in the art of pro wrestling banter that only 1640 provides. Now, let's get into the news this week. Kicking things off this week, a report surfaced last week of TNA aggressively trying to sign former WCW and WWE world champion Goldberg to make a surprise appearance for the Impact Wrestling debut on Pop TV January 5th, 2016. Goldberg is filming a movie with current TNA star Bram, and this appearance would kick off an angle between the two in hopes to promote the movie they are starring in together. Goldberg's asking price is allegedly too high, but TNA is still holding out hope that they will reach an agreement of some kind. Goldberg is not the only talent TNA is seeking for the pop TV debut, as officials are looking at several free agents on the independent scene, along with other big-name talent that may be available to sign with TNA very soon. And before the dirt sheets broke this bit of news, 1640's very own AC from the cooldown gave yours truly the 411 this past weekend on the departure of Maria and Mike Bennett from Ring of Honor. The couple worked the TV tapings in Philadelphia as a part of their la- as a part of the their last evening with the company. Both gave farewell speeches following their match, as allegedly the couple could not reach a deal with the organization, 
and it's rumored they've been telling people they would be headed to TNA. While it's unconfirmed, it seems to make sense and confirm my previous report of TNA seeking big-name talent for their pop TV debut. Matt Taven, Bennett's Kingdom tag team partner, is rumored to be nearing the end of his Ring of Honor contract in March of 2016. No word on if Taven plans to leave ROH as well. One individual who will not be part of the in-ring action during the Pop TV debut of Impact Wrestling is Jeff Hardy. The Wrestling Observer reports that Hardy is scheduled to undergo another knee surgery stemming from his dirt bike accident from last year. The second surgery will keep Hardy sidelined for most of 2016, and by the time he is ready to return to action, the charismatic enigma could be working elsewhere. The TNA deals for both Matt and Jeff Hardy are set to expire in March of 2016. Hardy recently told friends that he's looking to tone down his style and that he's open to a WWE return if the opportunity arose. As of right now, we do not have details on the upcoming surgery. In some rather hilarious news this week, former TNA star and independent wrestling sensation Joey Ryan announced that adult website YouPorn has signed him, signed him to an ambassador deal. A video of Joey Ryan using his penis to overpower an opponent in a match in Japan had gone viral recently, the reason behind this partnership. Ryan is expected to wear U-Porn merchandise during his appearances as a part of this deal. And in regards to his rather strong genitals, Joey Ryan recently named the move, get this, the U-Porn Plex. And in our final story this week, or should I say this year, some feel-good news to ride out 2015 as several major media outlets such as TMZ and E! Online broke the news that The Rock and his girlfriend Jennifer, forgive me if I don't pronounce this correctly, Haitian, Hashin, gave birth to a beautiful and healthy baby girl named Jasmine last week. The couple had been dating for nine years, and this is their first child together. The Rock has a teenage daughter named Simone with ex-wife and current business manager Danny Garcia. On behalf of all of us here, not only at the Ken Reedy Show, but the entire 1640 PWPR network, we want to say congratulations and may God bless you on this wonderful journey. And on that note, 2015 has been a fun ride here at the Day 550 News Report. Merry Christmas, happy holidays for the politically correct folk, and a happy new year. See you all in 2016, where I will still deliver the real scoops that matter in professional wrestling. Good stuff as always, and you know it's interesting getting into uh, you know the uglies, and I, I hit two of my uglies already, so I'll hit the as we bump uglies. Uh, <laughs> getting into my last ugly, um, you know it's funny coming out of that story with uh, TNA and TNA aggressively going after uh, uh, new talent, and ah uh, oh, jeez, I you know I don't know with TNA, and then I on my my list I put I wrote it down as TNA TV. Because, it, it, I mean, all year, it's TNA is going to be here, or where are they going to be? Or do we do we even get this station? Where are they going next? They're going to get a TV deal, blah, blah, blah. And I just, you know, TNA, 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 I, you know, it's just it's it's just ugly. They just can't seem to put it together. Uh, they can't get a, a TV spot to, like, really take hold of. Um, you know, as a wrestling fan, I want to see them succeed, but... It's just, you know, it's gotten to the point, you know, for our show, it's rare we even talk about them. Uh, fans do not want to call in and talk about them. So it's, uh, 
you know, I want to see them succeed. I want to see them do better, but uh, it's just it's been a, a rough year for TNA, and that, that was a, they made my ugly list uh, for 2015. Uh, Dave, give us your uglies, man. Well, to be honest with you, this is the part of the conversation that I've been dreading most of this night, most of this show, okay, the ugly portion. I can rationalize this by comparing this to a situation where if you're out at a bar and you've had a little too much to drink and the lights come on at closing time, you got to find the prettiest ugly girl to take home, otherwise you're going home alone. <laughs> okay? And I would compare this conversation that I'm about to have to scenarios like that. And, fellas, if you're listening out there, don't mutter to yourself that you haven't been in that situation before because you're full of shit and I'll call you out on it. <laughs> Saying, you know, coming out of that segue, if you will, I only have one ugly this year. There's been a lot of bad. There's been a, a decent amount of good, okay? But the bad stuff that has been presented to us in professional wrestling has had potential to be good. It's been fixable. It could work. This year, this subject has been consistently ugly from the beginning of 2015 all the way to the end. And I'm talking about the roller coaster existence known as TNA wrestling. <laughs> I mean... You know, honestly, when 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 we were beginning this segment, I was going to go ugly early and get it out of the way. And fellas, I know what you I know you know what I'm talking about because you've probably done that too, and a few dive bars. <laughs> go ugly early. I've been there, okay. I sympathize, gentlemen. I totally understand. There's no shame in it. We're a family here at the Ken Reedy Show. I won't judge you, by the way, to your face. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, as far as this goes, it's just been—it's just not been good. It's not been good at all. I mean, TNA—they were—they—they start—they they just couldn't seem to get out of the gate. Okay, they start on a new network. You're optimistic. Um, They're—they're they're showcasing some new talent. They're trying some new things, but there was no consistency. There was no consistency in their storylines. A lot of guys were injured. Um, guys leaving due to lack of pay, um, get, being late with pay. Um, then news breaking that the network, Destination America, for one, uh, it wasn't a good sign that they signed with them considering that they had that they were available in 30 million less homes than they were on Spike TV. That wasn't a good sign, number one. Number two, the fact that the network was already trying to pull out of that situation early and they had a, a an out clause in their contract with TNA, for whatever reasons they saw fit, they could get out of that deal uh, midway through 2015, all of a sudden it was, well, there's a chance that TNA might not be on Destination America at the end of the year. And look what happened. They're not going to. They had their last show last Wednesday evening. They debut on Pop TV at the beginning of the new year. Okay? I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that a new home, a fresh start for them. What, what TNA has going for them right now is the fact that since Impact Wrestling was announced as a part of the rotation for Pop TV's network. Pop TV is being added into more cable subscribers. Time Warner, Xfinity, D 
Dish Network, stations, you know, other cable providers are adding pop TV. Not sure if it's because of Impact Wrestling, but I just find the timing a little convenient. I've been hearing stories that pop TV has been added to a lot of cable subscribers now. But just top to bottom, really been like the the news of, like I said, late pay, um, them taping so much television, not knowing their 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 next television taping date that they take so much television to get so many episodes of impact to keep up with a television schedule that you don't know if they're going to have a future they ran like three live events and they they totaled like 2000 people in three live events the whole year so it's it's been a uh, a, a rough year and it's just been consistently bad um they have some talent on their roster they, they they certainly do. Um, I mean, with this ugly, I do find some good. I think EC3 is the best homegrown talent that they've produced in quite a long time. Um, organically, they've built him up from being a nobody to a somebody, somebody that you can look at, and, and if he were to leave TNA, he would be very successful on his own somewhere else, whether it's WWE or if he were to go to Ring of Honor or even New Japan. Um, the, 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 the Wolves, they've been a cornerstone of – the lackluster TNA programming, but they've held up their end and done a great job. Same thing with, uh, you know, Bobby Roode and Austin Aries, and, you know, names like that. Um, but there's just really been a whole lot of ugly. I can't remember a good story that I've heard coming out of TNA. I mean, they canceled several live events. They were supposed to go to India last month. That didn't happen. They were supposed to go to China over the summer. That didn't happen. So it's just not been good overall. It's like you're almost waiting for when they're going to make the announcement that, they're no longer going to be a company anymore. So that, to me, just from beginning to end of 2015, it's just been consistently ugly, the overall existence of TNA wrestling. I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's, there's you know, and, and it's a shame. It's a shame they've had their moments where they've had some talent there that they just, uh, you know, they, they, they just can't get it done, and it just seems like you know this this company every time they uh, they do anything, it's one step forward and two steps back. So uh, we're both of us. TNA makes both of our ugly list. Uh, uh, let's go out to the phones because we got our our ROH correspondent. You know him from the cool down with AC. Let's bring Anthony on board. Anthony, how you doing this evening? What's up, guys? It's good to be back. It's been a while. Um, I'm just going to give a quick disclaimer. I do have a bit of a cold, so if I sound terrible or I cough in your ear, I apologize up front. But uh, how are we doing better, but thanks for giving us a call. (laughs) Absolutely. What's going on? Not much. So you were at ROH. Uh, Give us a little bit of your take as far as uh, being there live. I was. Uh, I, I gotta admit, it was it was really good. Um, it was my first time in the uh, 2300, the old ECW arena. Uh, I know it's been since remodeled; doesn't look the same, whatever. But um, I gotta admit, uh, you can kind of still feel the little sense of history in there uh, a little bit. So that was cool. And you know, my other live ROH event this year was actually outside at Field of Honor, so I didn't necessarily get the uh, the feel of the so-called rabidness of the crowd, which uh, definitely I felt um, in that building Friday night. I mean, the place was rocking from the minute you walked through the door. Um, I got to talk to uh, Matt Taven for a few minutes. 
um, before the show started, which was nice because, you know, those guys just got back from Japan, so we talked about a few things, which was cool. But overall, I mean, I got to be honest with you, the uh, last ROH pay-per-view leading up to this wasn't their best pay-per-view of the year uh, in-ring wrestling-wise, which is kind of like their deal, but they had some cool storyline stuff. And I thought for the storylines they have going and what you would expect from an RH pay-per-view, I mean, it was right up there. It's not the best pay-per-view of the year. It was right there. Uh, you had a lot of tremendous matches. Um, obviously, Lethal and uh, Jay Lethal and AJ Styles was, I mean, out of this world. Those might be my favorite match of the year. Um, uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly was tremendous. Um, Bobby Fish and Roddy Strong was outstanding. Uh, they opened with the Young Bucks and the Briscoes versus the All Night Express, uh, which was really cool. And the crowd was into it from minute one. I mean, to be honest, ROH, we know how it is. It's a little more of that kind of, like, cult following, you know, ECW-ish, you know, rabbit crowd. It's not really the, you know, most family-friendly crowd. Uh, you guys know I go to a lot of shows with my daughter. I did not bring her to this show. Um, which I'll be honest with you, I, I wouldn't bring a kid to this show. But other than that aspect where this is like in a, more of an adult show, I, I I had a tremendous time. I mean, the three hours, three and a half hours that you actually watch wrestling just breeze by. Nice. Well, I mean, I'm, it's, it's awesome that it was that great an event. Uh, it is cool because, you know, you do see that ROH uh, – Kind of has that that cult like following, um, you know. From what you've seen, and you, and you see the talent there, and you see what they uh, they're doing. And as we have a year end show, looking forward to the future. Uh, you know, I think ROH made some decent strides in 2015. Uh, what do you see as far as the upside? How far do you think this company can go? I mean, I got to be honest. Um, the the knock on them has always been, and this comes from the fan base, is like they don't go that extra step to, you know, get to where some of the fan base wants them to be, which, I mean, I could already see if they were to go mainstream, you know, you could see, like, the fan base turning on them saying, you know, you sold out or whatever. But I think their relationship with New Japan is so strong right now. I think that's a major positive from them. I mean, you know, we, you guys know, we talked about the Destination America deal, the pluses and minuses. I The biggest thing I took out of that deal was, um, if nothing else, it, it, it added to the funds where they can sign the Young Bucks and sign Roddy Strong and hopefully down the road, um, you know, come to terms with Lethal and, you know, maybe keeping a, a guy like AJ around, even a part-time capacity. Um, you know, it's weird because a lot of guys, some guys are working on contracts, some guys aren't. Um, I think what's What's helped them now is they're keeping enough of the stars that they could bring along, you know, the Mooses of the world and, you know, hopefully down the road the Dijaks and now War Machine and some of these younger guys. So, you know, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I just tuned in, so I don't know if you guys talked about Bennett yet, but we know Bennett's leaving and, you know, maybe some other guys in January. We'll see how it all plays out. But keeping at least some of them, keeping that star power will keep them going as they bring some of these young guys along. And, you know, maybe these aren't the greatest TV deals for them. Maybe they need to do a little bit more. But having the pay-per-view funds 
the uh, relationship with New Japan and the TV deals they do have, I think it's allowing them to have enough, you know, money there to keep the Young Bucks of the world and Roddy Strong's of the world and hopefully Lethal down the road. And I think that's a major positive for them. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, when I look at ROH and I look at TNA, you know, similar companies as far as where they are, uh, the level they're at, but I feel like the upside for ROH is far greater, and, and ROH is moving in a decent direction, whereas TNA, to me at least, has that feel uh, that they're floundering. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, wish ROH all the all the luck, and hopefully they continue to grow. Uh, as as we get set for the end of this year and the beginning of next year, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, match of the year uh, this past year, Ant? Well, I got to be honest. I'm a little biased, and I know it was just this past weekend, and I saw it live. So, I mean, to me, the match of the year for me was Lethal and AJ on Friday night. I just, I mean, just tremendous. I didn't know what to expect going in with AJ having the back problems, and he's pulled out of a lot of matches recently. I know that. Um, A lot of that, from what I understand, was just him trying to make sure he was healthy for this match and his match at Wrestle Kingdom. But, Again, it's a little biased take, so I would definitely call that my match of the year. Um, but my 1A for me would be uh, Sasha and Bailey at the 30-minute uh, 30, 30 Ironman match at the, the second match at the TakeOver. Uh, they were the main event. I think that match did more for women's wrestling than anything else we saw this year. Even though I personally like the Becky and Sasha match better, I thought that one got more got more of a buzz. Um, the crowd in that match was tremendous. And, you know, it was just really, that whole deal was really cool. Coming off that match they had at the Brooklyn takeover, you would say, how are they going to top it? And I think they absolutely did. So that would be like my 1A match. Um, and, you know, there's been a million tremendous matches if you go. You guys know I watch a lot of stuff. I could give you indie matches. I could give you, you know, matches from everywhere. You know, Prince Puma and... Uh, uh, Johnny Mundo, you know, Morrison, for, for those of you who don't know, had a tremendous match. They, they had a match that was the entire episode of Lucha Underground. Um, you know, a million good matches in New Japan. You had the Roddy Strong Lethal, you know, match that went to the time limit, which was tremendous. Uh, some of the Cena and Owens matches I thought were really good. Um, there's so many good matches, but it, those would be the two I would zero in on. Good stuff. And, you know, before I let you go, I know you are a big fan, and be sure to go over to 1640 PWPR. Check out the cool down with AC. Uh, you know, you're so in touch with the independent scene. Uh, is there any name that you, you've seen that maybe not is not a household name, but you'd, you'd look at and say you could see big things coming out of this person in 2016? Uh, I'm going to give you one guy, and then – Guys who listen to my show, you're going to know who he is. He's been on my show three times already. His name's T.K. Orion. He's from, like, the Rhode Island Mass area. He trains at Top Rope. Um, He kind of came up as a heel in Mass in Rhode Island through XWA and, you know, um, Bucky and all those other promotions. But he caught on with NEW mid-year, is a big-time face in Bethany. Um, I just watched him wrestle JT Dunn last weekend. he trains with Ben and Taven uh, twice a week, and he trains with a bunch of other guys at, at a, uh, the Lockup, which is a big-time training school. 
uh, trains with a lot of Ring of Honor guys. Um, I know Bennett tweeted and said, you know, basically tweeted Ring of Honor and put his name out there for the top prospect tournament. Um, he's 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 rather new. I get it. You know, he's only been training a year and a half. But, I mean, I just see sky's the limit for this dude. Anybody who's listened to my show knows his charisma. I mean, when you listen to him interview, that's just who he is. Um, every place I go where there's a heel or face, he has the crowd. Um, I, I, honestly, that would be my guy in the independent scene around here. And it's saying a lot because there's a ton of talent around here, a ton of talent. But that would be the one guy. And I'm not just saying it because it comes on my show. I'm really not. I really, <laughs> I, I went at, no, I honestly went after to get him on hard. Like, I really wanted to have him on because I feel like, you know, five years down the road, this dude's going to be in, like, Ring of Honor, NXT, TN, wherever, who knows, New Japan, whatever company, Lucha. I, I just really feel like he's going to be, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be John Cena, but you want to tell me he's on that, you know, lethal-type level, it would not surprise me. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for giving us that uh, perspective on, on the independence as well. Uh, before I let you go, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Uh, it's been a great year, and uh, got to get you on more and look forward to 1640 uh, taking off. So uh, have a great holiday season, Ed. You guys, too. Merry Christmas to both you guys. I love you. Be good. Uh, enjoy the family time. And uh, whenever you guys want to talk some wrestling, hit me up, and I'll be uh, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to I'll be sure to I don't want to say fit you in because that sounds like a dick thing to say, but I'll be <laughs> sure to make some time for you. I, I'll be honest, I work late on Mondays now, so it was like I just I'm literally sitting in the car, just scrambling down at work. I'm like I gotta get on the phone by seven fifteen. But <laughs> it's great to talk to you guys again. It's been too long. I love you. Be, you know, I, I I still listen to you. I love everything you guys do. Uh, you the best you know, raw lead in you can have. I mean, you got I mean you guys aren't overly negative but you, you give your you give your ideas, your thoughts and you you know, you're not a hundred percent positive everywhere. I actually I, I look forward to hearing both your guys' takes on everything. I really do. Well thank you. Well thank you very much. I hope you didn't run out of that much chapstick before you gave us that speech. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm kissing a lot of ass right now. Hey, Dave, before I, before I go, are we doing uh, Royal Rumble this year? i gotta, I got to win some money back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We, we will be in touch. I'm sure there will be some Royal Rumble uh, festivities going on at the, uh, the, the, the Rosengossler compound, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for having me on again. Take it easy, Ed. And there you have it, from the cool down with AC, good stuff on the independent scene and ROH, uh, good perspective on things. Let's get out to the phones, because we have Rocky, who's been on hold for a while. Rocky, how you doing tonight? Hey, guys, what's going on? Not much. Uh, give us your take. We're talking about the, the year in review, uh, your thoughts on the year. We'd love to hear uh, uh, your take on a match of the year, if you have a match that you think was the best of the year, but give it to us. Yeah, uh, before I get into that, who was who that jerk who was yelling in the phone before? I, I heard you at the beginning of the show. You know, it's it's uh, my my opponent from this past weekend who, uh, you know, it's very easy for him to posture uh, miles away on the telephone when, uh, you know, we were confronted in the ring. Uh, he couldn't run out of the ring fast enough. So, uh, you know, he said his piece, he hung up. I guess it's across the bear now that uh, I'm in the wrestling game. But um, he'll get his. Believe you me, he'll get his. I'm sure our paths will cross 
uh, again yeah. real soon. But, you know, it's a thing. We've had it before on the show. It happens uh, when you're in the wrestling uh, biz. Uh, there's some kooky characters out there, and we just have to kind of put up with them at times. But uh, getting refocused here, um, you know, match of the year, moments of the year, things you thought were bad. Uh, what did you think of 2015? Well, yeah, definitely. Get, getting back into that, um, I would definitely say uh, I, I I heard and agreed with I would say ninety eight point nine percent with you and Dave gave for your good bad and uglies. Uh, I'm going to interject a couple of tweaks. I know uh, I know you guys gave the, the divas revolution. I don't know if if it was the bad or the ugly. I gave it bad. Uh, it was a bad. I'm going to agree with that, and on top of that, I'm going to put as the good the women's revolution. And I make that distinction for what the women did while they were in NXT. Because, you know, when you think about it, the whole reason why, uh, you know, Stephanie brought these gals up is because of the tremendous work they were doing. They were, you know, they were headlining, they were having five-star matches while they were at NXT. And, of course, you know, they got they got called up to the main roster and... You know, unfortunately, we have what we have right now, which leads me to uh, go into the bad, which I would firmly stuff uh, WWE creative as a whole. You know, you know, creatively this year, I think they were really struggling. We, we've had countless conversations, you know, on unfortunately more on what they got wrong than what they got right. Yeah, it was it was really rough, you know. Uh, as a WWE writer, you must have had a really rough year this year. Um, another, another, a couple more good things coming out of this year, though. The the evolution of the New Day. Uh, I remember when they initially popped the New Day on the scene, and they didn't know quite what to do with them. Thankfully. You know, in this particular case, creative took a hands-off approach. You know, let the guys do what they want to do and see what comes up. And obviously, it's paid them back gangbusters uh, for that faction. Uh, Also good, uh, Seth Rollins as a whole, as far as Superstar of the Year, I would not be surprised if if they put it on Rollins. Because in the time when he had the strap, he really... He really brought back that kind of old school heelish uh, character, you know. wasn't trying to be a tweener, wasn't trying to be a cool guy. Was just, I'm a bad guy, and this is this is what it is. Um, as far as the ugly, uh, you know, I I don't have I, I don't have too much as far as the ugly. I try to to look at wrestling as a whole with a positive light. Uh, but I definitely got to go with, you know, I definitely got to go with Dave. TNA, you know, it, it, it's it's hard not to, it's hard not to, you know, just kick them while they're down. But it's true. You know, TNA was, just had an abysmal year. Um, one more list to the good and bad. The good on a whole uh, WWE pay-per-views this year, when you use the point of reference of pay-per-views last year, I think WWE did a stellar job with their pay-per-views this year, which goes into the bad, 
which is Raw's and the build-up to those pay-per-views. Because, you know, like, like you said in the beginning of the show, Ken, they had, you know, you had almost no build-up, non-existent build-up, but you wound up having a, a pretty damn good card as far as the pay-per-views are concerned. What do you think? No, I agree. I mean, I, that's, you know, obviously it was on my list. So, I mean, I, I agree. It just, it was, uh, you know, and throughout the year, I mean, it just was, uh, I mean, it was a regular occurrence. Every time we did a pay-per-view pre-show, it was that, uh, you know, hey, look, you know, looking down on paper, this looks like this is going to be a fun night, but I'm, I, I wasn't excited get, getting to tonight. I mean, there were like pay-per-views this year. I'll, full disclosure. You know, I'm getting ready for the uh, the pay-per-view and the, the pre-show, and I and I gotta pull up and remind myself what all the matches are on the pay-per-view because uh, the the build hasn't been good. There are, there are matches that are etched in my you know my memory where I'm thinking, all right, this is happening on Sunday. I gotta you know I'd have to look it up. And then there were pay-per-views. What was it? Survivor Series where I think we had like two matches uh, going into the. Uh, the final raw before the pay-per-view. Um, so yeah, the build has been lackluster. The build at times it's, it's been tough going into, you know, our show and doing that pre-pay-per-view show and trying to figure out like what exactly we want to talk about because the programs and the storylines have not been good leading into it. And then Monday we do our show and it's like, Hey, the pay-per-view was good, entertaining, good stuff. And, uh, it's just been a, in a weird dynamic over the course of the year. And I, and I, I hope it gets better because that's. I mean, I think. I, I mean, I love watching a good match, but I, I love the storytelling. That's what I love. I love the storytelling, the psychology, uh, a good program that leads off leads to a really good blow off match. That's what I love about pro wrestling, and I'd really like to see them improve. Uh, before I let you go, Rocky, just got to know what would be your uh, candidate for match of the year. Uh, candidate for match of the year is rough. Um. You know, cause, cause really the only, the main standout match that I remember like being really emotionally invested in, like highs and lows, start to finish, was uh, the women's match where Sasha Banks dropped the strap to Bailey. Uh, I thought it was a, it was a very well well told story. I thought the in ring physicality was on point. Um, as far as you know, a match con- is concerned, that I can think back and say, "Wow, I have to watch this again because I was that emotionally invested in it." I did watch that match like two, three times because I thought it was it, it, it gripped me that much. So in this case, I have to say that women that women's match. Good stuff, Rocky. Yeah, I mean the women are getting a lot of you know the Facebook page, uh, the women, and and we should. I mean, you brought up a good point. The women. Uh, you know, get get rid of this dopey divas moniker. The, the women, uh, you know, put it on this year. Um, good stuff, Rocky. Thanks yeah, for the call. Yeah, let these bitches be women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let these bitches be women. They're not divas. Come on, let the broads just be women. Yeah, <laughs> mofo. Pussy like, you know. Yeah, mofo. Yeah, exactly. Damn <laughs> disrespectful calling those bitches divas. Yeah. That was ironical. <laughs> Rocky, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for uh, being a regular caller, and uh, uh, look forward to talking to you next year. Have a good one, man. Merry Christmas, guys. Have a happy New Year. Talk to you again. Thanks, Rocky. 
Thanks, brother. You know, I got to tell you, it is intriguing, and we're going to go back out of the phones in a moment. But, man, I'm looking at the Facebook page, uh, you know, matches of the year, Riker, Ma- Michael Riker gives Bailey and Sasha in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Bob Scott also gave us Sasha and Bailey in Brooklyn. Um, you know, Rocky's talking about uh, the ladies. I mean, it's it's incredible to me how, like, you know, looking at what the ladies have done, and we really – you know, perhaps could have had a a divas or a women's revolution, and just what's happened on the main roster has just become so so muddled as far as uh, the programs. But uh, a lot of talent as far as in ring, what the ladies are doing, you, you kind of hope that a uh, creative kind of gets out of their own way. And much like Rocky had said with New Day, and and kind of got out of their way and let them do their own thing. Uh, maybe with the ladies, they need to get out of the way a little bit. Maybe they're overthinking this, quote, revolution. Uh, they need to take a step back because the ladies are getting it done. And, uh, you know, Dave, I mean, I don't know about you're more of a wrestling historian, but if you had to just think offhand, uh, when is the last time you would have uh, fans really uh, buying into a ladies' match or multi- different ladies' matches uh, being in the running for match of the year. Not, I, I really can't honestly say that there's been a period of time where not just one, but multiple women's wrestling matches have been discussed amongst experts, critics, fans as being match of the year. Because, I mean, a strong, solid, Johnny Cochran, if it don't fit, you must have quit kind of argument can be made for Bailey and Sasha from the TakeOver special in Brooklyn as being match of the year. But there's also other great women's matches that took place on NXT on some of those other specials I felt could be potential for match of the year. Like he talked about that Becky Lynch and, and, and Sasha Banks match. They, they, they really tore the house down. And for me, when I saw that match, like I, I'll never forget it. I said it to myself. I was like, Sasha Banks is the female version of Eddie Guerrero for for the women in WWE. She's going to be the workhorse. She's going to be the one that the people are going to, they're going to love her, but they're going to love to hate her at the same time. Like she's got that ability that, that really just, she, she can, she can play both sides very well. And I can't remember the last time you could, you could say in an era of professional wrestling where, multiple women's matches are considered for match of the year. The last time before this era of female wrestling, we saw women's matches become good and, you know, contenders for match of the year were some of the the early days of the knockouts division in TNA, the stuff with like Gail Kim and, and uh, awesome Kong and Mickey James getting involved too. uh, matches like that, you know, with those girls, um, and you can even go and you can even go as far back and maybe Trish Stratus and Lita, their rivalry that they had, which was very good. And they were, you know, both of them kind of came up at the same time. It was almost like the female version of Austin and The Rock during that era. Um, they had some pretty damn good wrestling matches um, during a time period where women's wrestling wasn't taken very seriously. But it's a different day. You know, we're talking, you know, a decade later, and, and women's wrestling and women's sports in general, too, in mainstream, um, is at the forefront. It's not just a side piece or a filler for 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 events or 
you know, wrestling shows. It's yeah, and like again, you know, it's like maybe it's time that the creatives just get out of the way a little bit and just uh, you know, kind of let these ladies develop, uh, you know, or a little more organically because the, the talent is there. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five, and for one last time in two thousand and fifteen. Ladies and gentlemen, be prepared. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Thank you. I love my introduction. I'm excited. I tell you, this is a this is going to be a good you know this is going to be a good end of the year special. And uh, I gotta say hello to Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Oh, thank you. And I gotta say hello to Ken. Hello, Mr. Reedy. How are you tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty happy today, and uh, pretty doing pretty good. Pretty good. Good. So, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, we're talking match of the year into 2015. Oh, uh, for me, what are your thoughts? What, me, what's your thought for match of the year? For me, match of the year would have to be Cena versus Owens. Um, you just just the first match at that chamber. It was amazing. That's a, again, it was a damn like, good match. Good. What would you say, Dave? Sorry. No, it was a damn good match. It was probably, I mean, the other two were great, but I, I agree with you, Mike. That was a really good match. And, it, and you know, shocking as, as good as it was, it was also shocking, too, in the sense that nobody expected John Cena to lose in a clean manner to a virtual I wouldn't say rookie, but a newcomer on WWE TV like Kevin Owens, and he did. And I mean, and the match was great too. I mean, all three matches there were fantastic. But yeah, the argument can be made. That first match was really damn good. Yeah, you guys were talking about ROH before with Anthony, and you were talking about TNA. There are there are two promotions that we 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 that are coming up right now, and one of them is Global Force Wrestling, and the other one is. Pro Wrestling Syndicate, and they've been doing a Global Force versus Pro Wrestling Syndicate. They've been doing a series of matches against each other. Well, they're going to do another. Um, another they're going to have another show like that coming up um, at the at the Jersey at the Rec Center in Rahway, New Jersey. They're going to be doing it on January 23rd, and it's going to be Global Force Wrestling versus Pro Wrestling Syndicate. Yeah, I've seen that, you know, and I think that's part of the problem for uh, for TNA. Like, TNA has just kind of stayed at the same level for way too long, and you're right. There are other companies now that are, are growing and building and, uh, you know, making a name for themselves, and PWS is one of those uh, promotions in this area that uh, over the years it's like, you know, it's funny because you look at companies and you in, in, in business, but, you know, we're looking at it in a wrestling context. But if you look, you know, they could be at a certain level, but you look at if the company is moving in the right direction. And and you, I don't think you could say that PWS is on the level of TNA, um, but when you look at PWS, they're moving in that right direction. Every year it seems like they're just getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and they're growing. Uh, you know, not necessarily leaps and bounds, but they're growing. Uh, they look like a healthy wrestling company. And when you look at TNA, as much as TNA, you'd say they're bigger than them, um, not moving in the right direction, not growing the way you'd like to see a company grow. 
uh, whether it's gradual or in leaps and bounds, but you want to see a company moving in that right direction. And I agree with you. You know, I, I think, you know, every year, you know, and I look forward to 2016, I, I'm looking, you know, I think it's a good thing for uh, PWS to be involved with Global Force. Uh, we talked about it when Global Force was making a name for themselves, and there, it was announced that uh, it seemed like Jarrett's model almost was kind of a, an old NWA uh, model where he would utilize other independents. So Global Force getting their name and getting involved in the Northeast with PWS, I think it's good for Global Force. Uh, so I think that whole thing with, with those two companies is good all around, and, and I, I wish both companies the best. And hopefully, again, when stuff like this happens, uh, the, the people that uh, really win out are the wrestling fans. Yeah, and they're going to also be in Poughkeepsie as well. They're going to be doing a show, just them, Global Force Wrestling is going to be in Poughkeepsie. So, you know, people that want to go see wrestling, you got a bevy of uh, wrestling talent coming up. It's definitely good stuff. Uh, you know, I'm curious, when you look at 2016, is there anything, uh, you want to give like a prediction as to what you're going to see in 2016? Or what are your thoughts no, you're on probably the gonna, You're probably going to see the best, I don't know, you're probably going to see the best wrestling ever, I think. It's, I think we're going we're gonna to see it. I mean, every year, you know, and I think back to when we were younger and we used to watch wrestling, and they used to have, you know, superstars of wrestling and wrestling challenge, and they used to say their New Year's resolutions, and every all the wrestlers used to talk about what's going to happen in the new year. I I personally think we're going to see more wrestling because, let's face it, more wrestling is better. So, you know, just like ROH and New Japan Wrestling, they got they got a nice deal together, and uh, I just I just want everybody to to con- to connect, um, you know, wrestling more. Just go out and watch wrestling, support wrestling. If you love independent, do that. If you love pro wrestling, do that. Um, that's my my whole take on the whole whole thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think the world of professional wrestling is definitely growing. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, bigger independence. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, you know, other companies are getting TV deals. There's other things to watch on TV, uh, as well as independents that use the Internet. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I don't see any one single company uh, being able to rival the WWE, but the, the collective could make at least the WWE sweat a little bit that there are, uh, a lot of alternatives, and I agree with you. I think that there's a uh, we're not going to see anything like the Monday Night Wars, but uh, there's uh, that that vibe, that feeling that there's going to be an explosion on the wrestling landscape where uh, companies like Lucha Underground and ROH and and PWS growing and and uh, you know the independent scene getting bigger and bigger and Global Force Wrestling, and you just you feel like uh, you know maybe the WWE and creative has kind of been lagging, but. Uh, looking forward to bigger and better things out of the wrestling landscape as as a whole. Uh, good stuff well, as always, Mike. Thanks for giving us a phone call, and uh, for you and your family, uh, Merry Christmas yeah. and Happy New Year. And and uh, don't forget about tomorrow. You know, pro wrestling now with Mike Ferrara is uh is going to be on at twelve o'clock, and my my special guests are going to be the original Patriot and Coco. I mean, I'm sorry, Wee Wee from from Dating Naked. And then I'm going to have B. Brian Blair on the show. You guys had him on your show. I'm going to have him on my show December 29th. And uh, 
Coco and Lily's sister Coco, a good friend of mine, is going to be on the show as well. And uh, I got a lot of shows coming up. I got Mike Ferrara Speaks, Pro Wrestling Now. So I got a whole bevy of, of shows. Uh, so Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you guys. And let's just keep the, the whole ship rocking, man. Let's do it. Thanks, brother. Good luck to you. Talk to you soon, you, man. You got it. Thank you very Thanks, much. Mike. Merry Christmas. Take it easy, Mike. Kind of, kind of a, a good phone, kind of a little subdued, a little subdued mic uh, tonight, but uh, good stuff. A regular caller, always been supporting the show, so uh, good stuff as always. So, we're wow, we're down to we're under eight minutes. Um, I want to get into, you know, it's funny, uh, just to put it out there, the Usos uh, won the Slammy for Team of the Year. I love the Usos, man. I've always gotten a kick out of them, but oh, my God, what a load of crap that is. Uh, no way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and we I we did this stuff blindly, um but there's no way New Day is the best team of the year. There's no if ands or buts about it. Uh everything they've done, I I mean, I give, I would give them superstar of the year too. Uh for a chunk of time, they were the only thing worth watching on Raw. Um you know, that just when I see that, I mean, I get it. I get it's a fan vote, but I uh, jeez. I, I mean, I I don't think it's there, there are many categories that are slam dunk. Nobody should win this category aside from New Day. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, New Day went into 2015 with nobody really caring about them, people not wanting to buy into what they were portraying as baby faces. And then WWE creative decided, well, they're not getting the reaction that we want, so let's turn them bad and see what happens. And they – they shot right out of a cannon, and that was, you know, what they did was a natural fit. And they were such good bad guys that became so entertaining. Now they're almost baby faces again. I mean, <laughs> they're they're that entertaining. So they've definitely been the focal point of the tag team division. It's been fresh. It's been something different, new. But they're they're on the pulse of you know mainstream media and pop culture with a lot of their references and their promos and the things that they say. Like I say, they're a modern day version of Edging Christian. In my opinion, they truly are, and they they still know how to get decent heel heat. I wouldn't say they're great heels; they're very entertaining. They're one of the they're, they're to the point where you know who thought at the beginning of 2015 that we would have all said that like New Day would would be probably one of the most entertaining things on Monday Night Raw or in WWE. Nobody, because nobody was buying into them at the beginning of this year, and look what they've done now. They've in a way organically gotten themselves over. And, and kudos for them. Tag Team of the Year, absolutely. I love the Usos, but that, sh- that should have gone to New Day. New Day was, if I were giving an award, that's my Tag Team of the Year. And the thing is, when you look at something like that, you know, you look at, you know, Creative kind of stepped out, and it was these three guys, like, kind of creating their vibe, and maybe Creative should, uh, you know, look at doing that a little bit more and letting guys uh, just grow in their characters rather than uh, putting a stranglehold on them. Uh, let's say with like five minutes left, Dave. Uh, let's say, who is your wrestler of the year? My wrestler of the year? Well, that's a tough one because I think they're really because guys have been so hot and cold this year with the way that their characters have been portrayed. Um, I would say that there's a, there's been a lot of inconsistencies. So when I when I look at wrestler of the year, I look at who was the most consistent in terms of how they were portrayed as a character and what their character did on television. And there's probably about like four or five guys that come to mind. Um, 
and one of them who it's not, although he had a great 2015 with his, with his United States Open challenges, it's John Cena. John Cena is not the superstar of the year for me. Great year for him. He brought some prestige back to the United States title, but he has he's won that award before. He doesn't need to be superstar of the year. Um, if I put if if I come right down to it, I mean, Jay Lethal in Ring of Honor had a phenomenal year. Great television champion, won the world title, put on some spectacular performances with guys like Roderick Strong, AJ Styles, uh, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. You know, the list goes on and on. But I haven't seen enough of Jay Lethal, in my opinion. I want to see more. I think he's capable of more. Seth Rollins is an individual that I would consider superstar of the year. Why? Because he had the greatest Money in the Bank cash-in, aside from Edge's, Edge with the initial Money in the Bank cash-in at WrestleMania this year. And granted, his, the booking of his character wasn't that great, but what he did with himself as champion, he made the most of it. And he just put on consistently really good matches. But this year, I'm going to... I'm going to go with the guy who we chose last year on our show. And I'm going to go with Seth Rollins. I know I, I know it may have sounded like I was not going in that direction, but I got you. I fooled you all. You huh. see, for the, time that, for the time that Rollins was on TV, he did a hell of a job. You know, he made the most out of what, what he was given. And it might not have all been great, but phenomenal matches. Stuck with John Cena, the match with Sting, Orton, Ambrose, Reigns, the stuff with Lesnar. The, the triple threat match he had at the Royal Rumble, he stole it. I mean, Rollins really came out in 2015 and really made himself, and fans believe he was a superstar. And it's funny you said because it was close for me, and to be honest with you, uh, I had I had Lethal in, in the third spot for me. Um, Rollins, for me, came in a close second. Uh, I, I was going to go with Rollins. I, to me, the injury really, really hurt him. Uh, he was having a great year, and, and you know, it, it was really close. But I actually I went with Reigns. I went with Reigns for my wrestler of the year, uh, winning the Rumble, main eventing WrestleMania, uh, coming back and, and winning the title. Um, the, the steady improvement that I saw from him and his character uh, was impressive. Uh, just to watch him grow, and and the the entire the story arc that was not a story arc per se, but the idea that the way he uh, came into Philadelphia in the Royal Rumble, booed out of the building, winning the Rumble, and embraced by the end of the year, winning the WWE Championship. Um, it's close, but Roman Reigns for me uh, got Wrestler of the Year. And with one minute left, Dave, we close another year. Doing this show, uh, it's it's been great. Uh, another year under the books. Looking forward to 2016. And uh, uh, before we totally wrap this up, I gotta say, man, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. It's been another great year. Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. One of the, one of the highlights of uh, of of my week is Mondays doing the show with you, and it's it's pretty cool. And I look forward to uh, another fantastic year heading into 2016 with the Ken Reedy Show as well as 1640. And you guys out there, you callers that continue to support us, continue to download, uh, continue to support 1640 PWPR, uh, we could not do it without you guys. Uh, thank you so much for uh, 
clicking that download button. Thank you so much for calling in and giving your your opinions and your speculation on things. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, I know Dave feels this way. We're both very humbled that you continue to support us. So we thank you to all of you in the Ken Reedy Show family. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. See you in 2016. Thank you. Good night, everybody.